This episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is sponsored by The Feed. For 15% off your feed order, visit the link in the show notes and use code FITCOOKIE15 at Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian, personal trainer, master of health education focusing in eating disorders, and I am the CEO of Fit Cookie Nutrition. I'm really excited to chat with our guest today, who is Andres Ayesta, and he is a fellow registered dietitian. He is a sports dietitian. He also works um, in the weight loss side of things with his nutrition clients in his private practice, Planos Nutrition, and we learn all about CrossFit nutrition today as Andres personally and professionally has been involved in the CrossFit world industry, if you will. Um, He loves doing strength and CrossFit workouts, but he also has worked with people who also do strength and CrossFit workouts. And he has a lot of information for us today from his sports nutrition background on how to fuel CrossFit. And I also picked his brain on how to fuel CrossFit when we're trying to combine it with running. Um, Because I know from a lot of the people that I talk to who are my clients um, or who are people who have just reached out, that a lot of you are doing both. (laughs) Um, You're doing CrossFit as your strength, and then you're also trying to add on running. Um, And this can be a bit of a tricky balance because they're both pretty demanding of the body. So it's really important to make sure we're fueling them properly. I was first introduced to CrossFit, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago when my mom, um, shout out to Anita, actually um, started doing CrossFit herself. Um, my mom is such a badass. Um, she is a cancer survivor, and she actually started doing CrossFit um, at a place called Great Bay CrossFit, which is now called Great Bay Strength and Conditioning um, in Portsmouth, I believe, or Newington, New Hampshire. Um, so shout out to them. And she started going there to get her strength back after having reconstructive surgeries um, and basically has totally changed the functionality in her upper body (laughs) um, and her lower body too since starting CrossFit. So um, it's a pretty like functionally based um, strength workout. And we get into um, what to look for when you're reaching out to a CrossFit gym in this podcast episode. So without further ado, let's get to our episode with Andres. Well, welcome Andres to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here and talk with you. Oh my gosh. Well, I followed you on TikTok ever since TikTok was a thing. And I love your, I love all of your content on social media. It's a crazy place out there on TikTok with nutrition. So thank you for all that you do. Yeah. I actually just, that's, that's kind of like my pandemic hobby when I, when I kind of started that account. And I think I kind of got there in the first place. And it's actually the first time I created content that was just like really not caring what people thought of like what I was actually doing. So I did a lot of dances and a lot of like weird stuff and somehow I grew on there. So I guess like, you know, genuine, you know, being genuine on, on social media really kind of has its perks and, uh, and, and really kind of people like to see that. So happy well, that you found does. it. Yeah, me too. Well, yeah. I mean, if you could introduce yourself, kind of tell everyone who you are, what you do and where you're from, that would be awesome. 
Yeah, so my name is Andres Ayesta. Um, I am a registered dietitian and nutrition coach. Um, sometimes like people like to kind of like add the weight loss expert because we do work a lot in the weight loss space. Um, I am originally from Venezuela. I migrated here to the United States, I think in 2009, uh, kind of pursuing the American dream. And I completed my dietetics degree here in the U.S. And I kind of like, I was, I was kind of like all over the place in the U.S. I went from like Indiana to Texas, uh, from Texas to Florida bunch of different places in florida but we finally settled um in tampa florida um and me and my wife gb and our dog yogi yogi and um yeah and i'm the owner and founder of planos planos is a nutrition coaching platform that teaches particularly women how to lose weight sustainably uh, without restriction um and it used to be known as viva nutrition and we just recently kind of changed our name to planos because planos stands for blueprints and we're big fans of trying to build people's blueprints for their health and their fitness and their nutrition and that's what we typically specialize in so that's just a little overview of who I am and, and what I do I love that and that's like that's just such a unique background too like what made you want to come and study dietetics in the U.S. in particular yeah I was actually wanted to be a doctor um, I wanted to go into med school and and the way it works in in Venezuela is med school it's kind of part of like you know there's uh it's like this big thing and then like nutrition nursing physical therapy are all part of the school of medicine so what happened was is a very competitive uh program the one I wanted to there's only like three schools in Venezuela that offer like actually med school so very competitive to get in I had to take a test like 20,000 people take it only like 200 people get in I got like 800 so I did pretty good but I actually did not make it. Uh, so I become a, I became an exchange student. I, stayed, I, I, I was here in the U.S. for like about a year and I went back and I was kind of having this like midlife crisis, not even midlife. I was having like a crisis because I was like 18 years old. Yeah, not midlife, uh, but I was like 18 years old and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And one of the things that really happened was I went to a therapist at that point and she's like, I think something that resonated with most with me very in depth was she said, doctors are not the only people that wear, um, you know, uh, coats. And there's a lot of other things that you can do within this field that you can help people with. So I enter into nutrition as a way to jump into med school. I never did. Um, I did three semesters in Venezuela. And honestly, like situation there was really difficult because it's a third world country. So I was looking for opportunities because I really wanted to work with athletes. I wanted to be a sports dietitian. And I was like, this is not the place for me to do it. So I applied for scholarships. I did a bunch of different things. And long story short, I ended up here. And my entire background in dietetics has actually been working with athletes. So I work, I work with, you know, NFL athletes, major league baseball players. So I actually did accomplish my dream of becoming a sports RD and, and work a lot into that. I just realized I also, also wanted to build a business out of this too. So this is kind of how, when I pivoted and stopped working from organizations and, you know, for athletes and stuff like that and tried to start my own thing as well. Wow. That's fantastic. And like you bring such a, like just unique experience to, to the dietetics profession that is like a little different than who I usually talk to. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think it's really awesome of your therapist to be like, wait, doctors aren't the only ones in the medical field. Um, I had a counselor, my freshman year of college, tell me the same thing when I wanted to be a doctor and then realized that I didn't you wanted want to be, to be a, doctor a doctor too. I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I went to school. I went to school pre-med and then the first year I was like, wait, I actually don't really want to learn about medicine and like medications and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's kind of awesome. And 
Um, where did you end up doing your dietetics program and like kind of starting in the sports nutrition field? So Indiana was University of Southern Indiana was when I got my bachelor's. Uh, but the thing is, I got when I when I went to the US, I transferred um, in still nutrition. So but I didn't know I, I didn't know the whole process here, like dietetic internships, all that kind of stuff. And and actually, when I got to the school that I went to, they told me, oh, no, we don't we have a nutrition program, but we don't have, you know, for people that are listening that are in the dietetics field, they didn't have a DPD program, which is like the the program that would allow you to apply for an internship to become a dietitian. Uh, so I was like, oh, shoot. So I'm not in a place and I had a scholarship and everything. Well, they became accredited in the next like the year or so like that. So it, it worked out. Uh, but I did my internship in the universe, uh, the Texas University of Texas or University of Houston, Texas, and then the medical center in Texas and Houston. Um, so that's where I got a lot of more, more of my, like my supervised practice and all that kind of stuff. So I worked a lot in the University of Houston. And once I finished that, I, you know, within like four months, no, within a month, I had to take my RD exam because I already got a job in um in florida so this is literally when i packed everything up like overnight almost um put everything in a u-haul drove to florida and then that's where i started my first nutrition coaching position in um, img academy which is a big sports facility down in bradenton florida uh so that's where like my sports nutrition career sort of started um after i became an rd very very cool good flexibility there you're like this is where i live now sounds good um yeah. <laughs> that's awesome mm -hmm. Well, and it's worked out so well for you. Your, your business has really grown. So um, in terms of like, you know, what we're going to chat about today too, um, I want people to get some background on you because you're super qualified to talk about sports nutrition um, as a board certified person in sports nutrition and a dietitian. Um, and we're going to talk about CrossFit today. And just for some background, a lot of listeners um, on this podcast and for my practice in general are runners and endurance athletes. Um, and I know a lot of them are encouraged to strength train and a lot of them may even kind of dabble in the CrossFit community and the CrossFit world. Um, so I think there's a lot of, you know, questions around feeling for exercise in general, but then like what's different about CrossFit versus endurance. So, I mean, how did you personally kind of get involved into like the strength training and CrossFit world? So I, it started at IMG. I've always been an athlete my whole life. I was a soccer, uh, athlete. I've always enjoyed running, even though I wasn't really made it a thing, but you know, it's literally been a part of my life, my like like oh, for since I can remember, uh, but from soccer to just, I was a kid that played all kinds of sports, right? So I was, I wasn't really like the greatest at it, right? But I was, I was a good athlete. Um, but that's it. Not, not great. Just good. Um, so uh, when I was in IMG Academy, I started uh, getting into strength training. In fact, I, it's kind of what sparked my interest in getting my master's in exercise science with uh, an inclination in sports nutrition, because I realized when I was becoming a sports RD, that, okay, I understand that the nutritional um, aspect of strength and, and training and exercise and, and sports, but I, won't, I don't understand the exercise science piece. So I was like, you know what, I need to learn this. So this is why I decided to complement my career with a master's in exercise science so I could understand principles of that. This is literally when I became a, a certified strength and conditioning coach, which I'm no longer at, you know, that because I don't usually practice it. 
but I understood the, the principles of it. And my best friend, and actually he also happened to be my, the best man of my wedding. He's a strength and conditioning coach. So we started training together like maniacs. Like we were the kind of people that wake up five o'clock in the morning, like, you know, blast the music and started training. And I realized the impact that it created on me and how much I, I always kind of struggle with like being a skinny kid and not being able to put on muscle and realizing that I was not really working hard enough or I was not really training hard enough. So this is related with my strength training kind of background started and after that, I realized like, you know what, I'm not the person that likes to go to a gym and do bodybuilding type of workouts. I like something that really kind of pushes me because I like the athletic component. So that's when I found CrossFit. Um, and my friends in Orlando, when I lived in Orlando for a while, they opened up a gym and they're like, hey, you should try this out. And I got hooked. And I've been doing CrossFit since I think 2015, 2014. And I've loved every, every kind of like aspect of it and became pretty, you know, pretty decent at it. Um, and to this day, I still, you know, it's sort of like my main uh, mode of training. Um, and I like it mostly because it combines every single thing that I like from gymnastics to running to, you know, all those different areas. And, and that's kind of where like the, the interest sparked that. And, and now I work even with a lot of people that do it as well. Yeah. And thank you for explaining that too. I think, um, some listeners may be like, well, what is CrossFit? Cause they think of like, you know, super heavy lifting, super intense, but it is a little bit of everything in the strength and conditioning world. It's not just going into a gym and like deadlifting as much weight as you possibly can, uh, for like a one rep max, it's a little bit of everything. So it can be a pretty awesome compliment to like any training program. Um, so that's super cool that you found your community there and the CrossFit community is quite, quite tight. So, um, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, in terms of like, the fueling aspect for CrossFit, I kind of want to dive into this. So, um, these workouts or wads, which is workout of the day, um, kind of in the CrossFit world, they look a little bit different every time you go. Um, and so like as a professional and also as someone who does the sport, like how would you fuel for a wad versus like a run and how would that maybe differ or what would be the same about it? Yeah, there's there's a lot of like ways in which we can explain this because like going back to to explaining what CrossFit is, like CrossFit is a lot of functional movement and it's like there's a lot of variety of stuff. So to kind of get a little bit more into the nerdy science of this, like, and I don't know how much you talked about this in your podcast, but your body has different energy systems. Um, and depending on the intensity of the workout, the duration, the frequency, like a lot of the different variables, your body uses different energy systems and different like fuel, you know, uh, sources. So obviously we have our glycogen storage, we have our fat storage, you know, fat oxidation and, and carbo carbohydrate oxidation. It's all depending on the intensity at which we're operating. So CrossFit it's like, it's all, all of it. It's like all kinds of different things because every single workout can be different. To give you guys an example, for example, a very uh, um, benchmark workout that many people did just a couple of weeks ago, literally across the world is a workout called Murph. Um, and Murph is a workout that involves a lot of running. It's like two miles of running, which maybe for you, that's not a whole lot, but it's like building into, you know, 300 like squats, just body weight, 200 um, push-ups and 100 pull-ups all within running a mile before and after and also wearing a 20 pound like or 14 pound weighted vest so and it's a very difficult long duration workout so a workout like that requires gymnastics that requires also like very good endurance so for a workout like this 
your your fueling needs are going to be different than, for example, another completely different bench work uh, or benchmark workout for CrossFit, which is uh, called Fran. Fran is a workout that you do within four minutes. So you see the changes between them. And Fran is a workout where you do 21 pull-ups, 21 thrusters, 15 pull-ups, 15 thrusters, 19, nine pull-ups, nine thrusters. And thrusters for people that don't know what it is, is imagine if you do a, uh, a front squat with a barbell, and then also imagine you do a push press. So if you put it all together, that's a full movement. It's like a front squat and goes into an overhead press. So they're very difficult movements and that doesn't really kind of require a lot of weight. So what do I say this? Because there's a very, there's a lot of variation in the type of movement. So your fueling needs for CrossFit are going to be heavily dependent on really the type of workouts that you're doing. The problem with CrossFit is that it's not always like for, for most people that do CrossFit, like maybe many people that are listening to this podcast, it's not like they have like their programming for CrossFit done months in advance or weeks in advance, like a typical strength training workout. For example, when I worked as a strength conditioning coach, we will plan out like an entire block of training and we'll know what we're doing in like week four or week five or week six for them. The average CrossFit athlete or the CrossFit person that goes and do and does like an hour class every day or like a few days a week, it's not the same. You just show up or you look at it the night before and like tomorrow you do Murph and then the day after you're going to do France. So completely different things. Now gyms have become better at trying to program in a way that makes sense, but not all of them do it that way. So not every CrossFit gym has good programming or good coaches. And sometimes the programming can be like more conducive to injuries and some other times they have good programming, but the coaches are not necessarily um, really focusing on, on movement patterns and the, the way that people train. So there's a lot that goes, that, that goes into that. But anyways, that's a good preamble to talk about the fueling strategies for CrossFit, but I wanted to make sure that people understood that there are so many differences between the type of workouts that you have. So let's kind of maybe bring it to the average, which I think I guess most of your listeners are going to be the type of person that just goes for that, that one hour class. I don't think we have CrossFit game athletes listening to maybe, maybe who knows. Not like, that many. I think a lot of people listening are maybe like two to four times a week. And it's really the strength training component of their whole training program. So I really appreciate that you explained how it's kind of like you pick a workout out of a hat almost. And then that's what you do. So you may not have like a month long training program that you're anticipating going into these workouts. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's probably the caliber of who we're talking to. So when it comes on to feeling strategies is again, like we need to, uh, like typically what I tell people, it's like, okay, we first like need to identify what like the, the, the energy like system that you're going to be using. So getting in, in depth into that. So if you're going to be using or doing a workout that is like 10 to 15 minutes long, most likely it's going to be high, very high intensity with very short periods of rest. So you use our, a lot of, you're going to use a lot more of like your, what we call like your glycogen system. So as runners that so you know, that obviously like, you know, if you have like a, a normal pace, like you have kind of like a mixed fuels that you're using, right? Fat, carbohydrates or so in CrossFit, many most most of the times because it's so high intensity you're typically using glycogen or carbohydrates as your main energy source so depending on the duration we'll typically make recommendations around like what you should be eating the thing with that is that a 10 to 15 minute workout is not going to require a crazy amount of fuel right compared to for example you going on a two-hour run or doing like you know a 5k or a, a, a 10k or whatever may be the case you actually need more fuel in those type of workouts. So I think a lot of times people associate the intensity and how they feel after a 10 minute workout because they went all out and they feel like, oh my God, I burned so many calories. 
a lot of times people overestimate the amount of calories that they burn in a quick workout but they or, or they burn in crossfit and a lot of times that kind of leads to some bad eating habits because they feel like oh i like push myself and i did all these different things and the reality is that not always like you didn't like it wasn't really that tough or, or, or that, that strong of a workout it was just definitely pretty high intensity so we're, for a lot of like the typical person that goes to work out like two to four times a week and they do like the, the one hour class typically most crossfit classes and most gyms are broken down into a strength component or there's a part of it and they'll do some heavy lifting and then there's like what they call the metcon or metabolic conditioning or the wad right the workout of the day and that's usually a combination of either something like gymnastics which includes things like pull-ups and different things like that and then you have like your like some sort of like movement like box jumps or burpees and then obviously there's like the barbell or like dumbbell or kettlebell stuff which is the strength uh, components of it for fueling purposes, I always recommend people that it's, you don't have to do something drastically different uh, whenever it comes down to preparing for a CrossFit workout, but it depends. I guess a question for you is like, do you typically find the people that you've worked with or the people who listen to this podcast that are runners, do they do CrossFit on also days that they're also running or they're more going to be more like the, the, okay, days that I don't run, I typically do my CrossFit session or so like that. What do you typically see? Yeah, that'd be helpful to clarify. So I think what happens to a lot of the clients that I talk to um, and people who may be listening is they might be doing like maybe a, their CrossFit workout in the morning and then they're doing a run in the evening or vice versa. So it is a pretty like, you know, high burn of a day in general. Um, and they're kind of using the CrossFit workouts as their strength workouts, which um, I think, you know, our higher intensity strength workouts compared to like what other runners might be doing for strength, um, depending on what type of CrossFit class it is. So a lot of the times it's like a double day. So I think we could start there. Maybe like if you are going to, um, you know, like a CrossFit workout, maybe in the morning, knowing that you have a run later in the day or vice versa, you're going to your run in the morning. And then, you know, you have a CrossFit workout later in the day. Like, are there key, like, um, macronutrients or just like examples of foods in general that someone might want to think about eating before so that they're not going in totally empty. Yeah. So let's use that as an example, because I think it's like a really good kind of like, you know, that's the typical, the two a day, the morning CrossFitter or morning runner, and then like afternoon CrossFitter or vice versa. So two things to, to focus on. We know that most of the workouts in CrossFit are typically going to be more carb heavy or just like more like energy system that uses carbohydrates so anybody does crossfit i don't ever go on low carb diets um i'm gonna start from 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 the beginning and and that's one thing that i tell many people that because in the crossfit culture it's very known for pushing things like paleo which a lot of times it can be you know a good amount of carbs but in general it doesn't but then you see a lot of fats, like fat diets and, and, and different kinds of methodologies like that been implemented into this specific sport or this specific discipline. And to me, that is the biggest mistake that you're making because you end up like you cannot end up hurting yourself, like, you know, hormonally, physically and all those different things. So to start things off, carbs is not something you want to cut out when you're trying to when you're doing these different things. And of course, being a runner, I think you probably I don't need to kind of say that because you probably have said it before. Um, we are carb lovers here. So things to consider, I always say that if you have a morning workout that includes high intensity, 
look number one look at the 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 nature of the workout because most people are able to see that what's the workout for tomorrow and based on that you can adjust your nutrition accordingly so what do i mean by that if you know there's going to be like a 15 plus minute workout that is going to require like a combination of movements i typically would have a higher carb dinner um, or i would try to like maybe push a higher carbohydrate pre-meal depending on how your stomach operates right you know how there's people that cannot have very something very heavy in the morning, particularly if you're going to be doing a six o'clock or 6 a.m. class. Um, and there's people that are going to, they can totally like pound like a burrito before a workout and they're going to be totally fine. So it depends on who you are. But usually I focus on two things. I focus on your, like I call it like the the, the loading or the carb loading kind of like, you know, dinner, which is like you're, you're trying to load up your glycogen storage so you're good in the morning. Um, or the person or the people that are going to have because a smaller um, type of like, you know, meal at that point. In terms of macronutrient breakdown, usually for most people that do endurance sports and, um, you know, there's a different, I don't know, like how you typically like to make recommendations, but if you want to build it into percentages, I typically recommend CrossFit athletes to kind of go more on the higher side of carbs, more like a 45% of their carbohydrate or their total calories kind of coming from carbs. So that's a lot of times like a really kind of good place to start. But I try to obviously uh, have more carb allowance usually at night and then the, uh, before like the training session. And then the, the rest of it typically kind of allocating around the runtime. It also works out well for people that do CrossFit in the morning and they run in the afternoon because the dinner becomes more of like your glycogen replenishment type of uh, meal where you're replenishing the depending if you had a long run the amount of carbs that you lost throughout that run, but also at the same time, you're you're getting ready for like your morning workout if you're going to be doing CrossFit. So that's a really good like, you know, place to start. But then do I recommend something to have before your CrossFit session? Again, it depends on your stomach. And that's a very personalized thing. So for me, for example, I can do it both. I can do fasted workouts or I can do like, you know, few workouts in the morning, depending if they're super early. But if you're going to do something small, I usually recommend something that is going to be easy on your stomach. Um, something like I love like this Velveeta cookies that are like, I mean, perfect for me because they don't really have a whole ton of fat, but they have a perfect amount of carbohydrates. Um, you know, maybe like a, a piece of fruit that is not going to be something like too, too kind of like heavy. And then maybe can that right now in summer, we maybe kind of focus also on things that have a lot of water for hydration purposes as well. But those are going to be the main recommendations when it comes down to carb um, intake throughout the day. Does that answer your question in terms of carbs? Totally. I think what the takeaway here too is like, <clears throat> it's it's similar for like any kind of sport. Like we want to have some sort of simple digesting carbohydrate before we go into the CrossFit workout. Um, and, you know, if it is going to be kind of like a longer workout day in general, where we have a run to having like the carb rich dinner the night before to kind of top off glycogen stores is really helpful to prepare for that. Um, and in terms of like what you mentioned about the CrossFit community, you know, talking about paleo a lot and some fad diets and maybe, you know, going more low carb, I suggest the same thing. Like I never have anyone pretty much go below 45% of their total calories come from carbohydrates, especially, you know, as endurance athletes, it's typically actually a lot higher, but, um, so, I mean, could you just like talk a little bit about, you know, even to back up a little bit why I guess certain people do CrossFit matters because I'm kind of coming at it from, you know, it's a strength training workout for endurance athletes, but I know a lot of people probably do CrossFit for body composition purposes. Um, and can you just allude a little bit to how like maybe the nutrition approaches to both of those things are totally different? 
Yeah, we need to we need to bring it back also to goals, right? So like whenever the goal of the person determines obviously the nutritional strategy, uh, particularly when somebody's like trying to do way too many different things at once. I think that the reason many people join CrossFit is like there's there's a, a few different factors. One is it's a sort of like done for you programming. So you don't have to figure anything out. You just show up uh, for the people that typically do the classes. Like it's like most like it's the main reason I, it's some, something less to worry about right? Like I show up and it's like, oh my God, that's a great workout. I'm excited. Like, right. But then I show up and there's like somebody explaining the thing, somebody kind of falling through with it. And there's a time domain as well. It's like, you know, like they hit the clock and then it's like 50 minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever is the case, but it's, there's no distractions, right? So it's a little bit different than going to the gym where there's opportunities for distraction. And I think that's the main thing people usually would kind of go for that. And then also the second part of it is, you know, competitive, Um, you know, most runners have, especially the ones that do this, like, you know, more than just for fun, they love the competitive spirit, right? They love to be able to kind of push themselves. And I know a lot of runners in our, in our gym, and those are the people that are like, you can see them. They're like going out of eye with you. They're trying to make sure that they do the best that they can when it comes down to that. So competitiveness. Uh, but at the same time, obviously, for body composition purposes and to build strength, to build muscle and, and, and different things like that, which that's that can be an entire topic of conversation, because I don't necessarily think that CrossFit is like the most effective way to build muscle, unless especially for people that are very heavily trained. Uh, a person that is heavily trained is somebody that has a lot of training experience and you've been training three to four times a week for at least like one to two years. It's very difficult to do that unless you're training a lot more than what you think. And those typical classes that a lot of times are not going to be it. So for example, if you ask me, am I really trying now trying to like build muscle with this one hour classes that sometimes I do? I know I'm not doing it. I'm doing it simply because of the fact that it's healthy and makes me feel good. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, it keeps me active, right? So, but those are key things in terms of the attractiveness of CrossFit for some people, but it also depends on the goal, right? So if your goal, for example, is like trying to lose weight and you're joining running and CrossFit, uh, you know, simultaneously because you like the, the, the aspects of that, the nutritional recommendations may be a little bit different, but they're still not going to be cutting the cars or lowering the different things like that. You just need to kind of make a few different adjustments into what you're doing and your, your habits. And and there's a lot of stuff that we can kind of go into, but the reality is it depends obviously on on what, why do you want what do you want to accomplish? What are your goals? Right. And why you're doing this in the first place Uh, and making sure that we manage like the, the balance between those two like disciplines, right. And, and how to make sure that you're just not overdoing it or not, or doing enough to be able to obviously kind of get to the goals and the destination you're trying to get you to. Thank you. And I think um, that's where like one of the main takeaways for our listeners is like if, if body composition and just trying to like achieve a good health status for yourself, if like your main goal is, you know, I want to work out to be healthy, like sometimes more isn't always better (laughs) when it comes to like the really high intensity stuff. Um, You really kind of want to pick and choose what you're doing so that your body has enough time to recover. So you don't get too stressed out from a physiological perspective. Um, And a really common thing that I hear from people who come from the CrossFit world, maybe they saw like, you know, a coach or someone who tried to help them with nutrition in the CrossFit space is they're like, Oh my God, I need so much protein. Um, and I don't know how I'm possibly going to eat this much protein. So can you talk a little bit now about like, what should we be eating after our CrossFit workouts? Um, and do you have like any just recommendations around protein needs for CrossFit, um, athletes and why, you know, that may be the case, I guess, from what I'm hearing. 
Yeah, you mentioned something important, and I'm gonna circle back around to that, uh, which is like the 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 stressors or like the impact that too much CrossFit can do. And I want to make sure we kind of like put a parenthesis on that because I want to go back to it. But to answer your question about protein needs, um, I'm a fan of higher protein diets uh, for many different purposes or many different reasons. First off, I think that the recommendations, like the 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 RDIs or like the daily recommendations for protein in the United States, are too low. Uh, which I think, you know, you're not both on. It's like well, 0.8 grams per kilogram for totally. most people, which is extremely low. I mean, for the average person, I'll be like, I think you've talked about this in the podcast, like, you know, for 54 grams of protein on a daily basis. I do think runners don't need as much protein as like strength athletes, but I also at the same time don't think they would, uh, they, they can still benefit from that, particularly when they're trying to work on body composition goals or even strength and, and muscle building goals as well. Um, what I typically tend to see in runners is whenever protein is high, they typically tend to just feel fuller and then pro- carbs usually are harder to, to be able to kind of get enough of. And, and I've noticed that like in the past couple of years, when people that worked with and that are, that are runners or that are within that space. So that's a lot of times the reason we typically kind of keep protein lower. So a good place to start, um, depending, it depends on the person. Like I said, this is very personalized and, you know, I always say this, like, you know, work with, you know, Holly or, or registered dietitian to make sure you understand your needs. Um, but I have like a range that can go anywhere between 1.5 or 1.6 grams per kilogram for protein to up to 2.2 grams per kilogram. Um, where do I typically base my recommendations? One, on where what the goal is. If the goal is weight loss and we need to kind of create a, a slight calorie deficit in the process, I typically go for the higher protein because I know it's going to be more helpful to manage hunger and to be able to, to recover faster when you're obviously not eating as much as your body requires. So typically higher protein is more recommended for like the average person that probably is listening to this podcast. I like a a 1.8 to 1.9 gram per kilogram recommendation, which typically lands most people at around like 0.9 grams per pound. If you want to use like pounds as a way to, to imagine that. So if if you're at 160 pound person, that'll be like 150 grams of protein or so. Right. I think that's a really good happy medium, but I like to prefer to work in ranges, you know? So if like, 0.9 0.9 grams per pound or one gram per pound or 0.8 grams per pound, then obviously it's like 140 to 160. So try to be around that if you're tracking macros, which again, it's a tool that we've used personally, we've used in our, a lot of our clients. It's a tool that is not for everyone. If you're really more minutiously tracking or, or trying to understand how many grams of protein you're consuming, but that's a good amount uh, to me that I feel like would be helpful. Why higher protein needs? Of course, don't listen to just like the typical CrossFit coach. Again, no, I don't have anything against them, but a lot of times they don't have the credentials and they just typically just look at, you know, sometimes have some, some, you know, certifications and whatever is the case. And, um, and I think a lot of times they don't understand the reasoning behind higher protein because they think more protein, more muscle, and that's not true. So usually like I, what I like to see is like, I like to evaluate how many, what's the average amount of protein you're consuming right now. And we need to see if that's actually optimal. Um, and then we try to maybe make a few tweaks and adjustments to that, to be able to help that. But the reason for higher protein also is for recovery purposes. You are damaging a lot of muscle in those type of workouts. Um, the same way you're obviously damaging when you're like, when you're running, it's just a different type of, you know, type of discipline because you're usually using different parts of your body, not just your lower body, but like upper body. And there's going to be a lot more damage. So higher protein can definitely support uh, faster recovery and, and rebuilding specifically for people that are new to CrossFit. 
like you hear this complaint all the time, like, oh my God, I was sore for like four days. Like I couldn't even sit down in like the toilet type of thing, right? So there's a lot of muscle damage occurring, particularly for people that are just still new to this. So making sure you're getting enough protein is going to support recovery. And it's going to support obviously like, you know, rebuilding those like, you know, broken blocks or like, you know, uh, or muscle tears that you experience throughout those type of workouts as well. Yeah. I hear that often. Like I'm sore for four days. Like what, what gives? Um, so yeah, I think that's common at first, even if you do eat enough protein, but it should help you adjust, you know, at least to the workouts, if you're refueling properly, do you have any recommendations on like how people should distribute that protein throughout the day? Um, I am a fan of based on the research that probably you have seen as well. I, I like, you know, I, I, I put more focus on total protein per day. Um, that's sort of like the main priority. Like, are you getting enough? And I put on a second, uh, priority, how, how you split it up throughout the day. So it depends on the person and depends on their diet when they're starting. If you're just don't even know how much protein you're consuming. And we notice that, wow, you're getting like very little amount of protein. Let's make sure you get enough. I don't care how did you distribute it right now. I just care that you get enough on a daily basis, right? So let's try to do this this way. Now, typically when we talk, we talk about strategies on how to increase your protein intake, we'll talk about protein timing strategies from the research. And, and this is still controversial, depending on who you ask and, and what you see. Um, you know, there's like this term known as muscle protein synthesis. I've, I don't know if you talked about this in, in the podcast, but it's sort of like the way I explain it. It's kind of like this on and off switch. And usually that, that on and off switch is sort of I, I, the way I explain it. It's, it's, you know, you have like this three specific amino acids that kind of like are ha- like kind of like managing everything that's happening within muscle one of them being leucine, which is one of those essential amino acids. That's kind of like the director of the orchestra that kind of dictates what happens inside the muscle. And what research shows is, you know, 20 to 30 grams of protein per, per feeding per meal can turn on that switch and kind of get the orchestra to actually like operate and do all the things that you're supposed to do. So in studies that they looked at like separate protein feedings of about 20 to 30 grams, they've noticed that muscle protein synthesis of the ability to turn on that switch and build and maintain muscle mass is usually more elevated. So how do I translate into, for in layman terms, if you have meals that contain closer to 20 to 30 grams of protein, that's going to be more optimal for you. So for the CrossFit person that also does endurance athletes, what would that look like? Well, it would look like, for example, like after your CrossFit session, you had, a, you know, a really good breakfast or good bad breakfast that has good sources of protein, eggs, uh, you know, Greek yogurt, like deli meats, stuff like that, right? Then you may have a lunch, or if you're a snacker, you may have like something in between, like, you know, a protein shake or a Greek yogurt or, you know, a cheese stick, something like that, that adds a little bit extra protein in there. Your lunch, you have like your meat sources or plant-based like eaters that will have obviously your legumes and different things like that. Maybe a snack in between. Maybe perhaps what you can do also if you did a CrossFit session earlier is you need to focus in one of your snacks throughout the day, particularly your pre-run snack in the afternoon that would have a little bit of protein depending on the timing, simply so you make sure that you're getting more than you would normally do. Because of the fact that you're going to be doing a lot of damage on that day, not only you did it in the morning, but you're also going to be creating some muscle damage when you're running. And that's the part of it too that people need to understand. Just because you run doesn't mean that you're not creating, like you're, you're not lifting weights and stuff like that doesn't necessarily mean that that's not happening. Happening. So 
that's usually and obviously dinner to make sure that you are recovering and getting enough protein. Um, and you know, in terms of that, the source it's that depends on the person and what's more convenient with them. But I'm a big fan of like trying to make sure that we get a variety of different protein sources. Um, most people would ask me and this question may pop up, like, do I need to have a protein shake after my CrossFit workouts and that kind of stuff? I always tell protein shakes, whey protein, protein powders, they're one convenient ways to do it, but they're not necessary. And number two, they don't really make it more superior than any of the protein sources. The only thing that makes a difference is the, the, the speed of absorption, which means how quickly that gets through your intestine into your bloodstream to get delivered to your muscle. So it's a little bit faster because the protein has been more broken down. So that's what would be my recommendation in terms of protein timing and protein needs. And at the same time, like how much protein you should be consuming on a daily basis. But every single time that I notice when my clients are not getting enough and we start to fix that, they immediately start to notice a difference in recovery and, and how they feel, how they manage their hunger throughout the day, particularly when they're like doing both in two a days, like the, the, what you just mentioned. And it's like day and night changes that they start to notice. Yeah. And I know you mentioned at the beginning that you do work with a lot of like women and a lot of females. Um, and I think too, like if someone, you know, is doing, you know, strength training, like CrossFit workouts, especially plus running, um, you know, as females, like it is a little bit harder to build muscle mass, you know, and to recover in the first place. So I think like timing the protein well and making it convenient for yourself, um, is probably one of like my biggest takeaways, you know, in that department too, is like the protein shakes, not necessary, but if it gets you to do it, then it might be a helpful tool for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, and circling back again with the specifically the, talking about women's health, because I want to make a, a point every time I talk about CrossFit of, um, you know, understanding uh, stressors in the body. Yeah. Um, That's a very important conversation I like to have. Like exercise is a stressor. And I don't want people to take this as a bad thing. It's not a, like stressors are not always bad. But a stressor is something that creates, you know, a change in your body. It's like something that your body's not accustomed to. The moment that you put on your sh- your running shoes and you start to run, like that is a stressor because you're creating your heart rate is kind of elevated. There's a lot of things that are happening in your body. The same thing happens with CrossFit. CrossFit, the, the higher intensity of the stressor, and specifically with this kind of CrossFit workouts, the higher like the 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 blow that you have on your body, and then the more that needs like proper recovery to be able to kind of get back into things. What I typically have seen in the past few years is that uh, sometimes there's like people are getting overworked in some of these workouts, right? So what I, and sometimes like my recommendation is always like, hey, you need to step back because you are running yourself down to the ground. And what happens, and, and when do I see this? Let's say, for example, we have, I, I have worked with runners that do CrossFit as well. And what I typically see is like they're running 50 miles a week. And at the same time, they're doing five or six CrossFit workouts that are pretty intense. And then they're complaining that they're just like always tired and they feel like they're not seeing the changes and not seeing the results and they're not improving their times. And, and I ask him, okay, let me just explain what you're doing. Right. So you're doing this and you're doing that. And the thing's like, well, right. It's like, I'm doing a lot. So why not seeing the changes? Don't you think it's maybe because of how much you're doing that maybe your body is not adapting and responding because you're not giving enough time to properly recover and, and rest like, oh, well, maybe, but I thought more is better. More is not always better. So what I tell to people, specifically those that do running and CrossFit, is you need to find a really good balance between those, between your running volume and also how much CrossFit you're doing. Because CrossFit is a high-intensity workout. And attention to females, to women, right? Like, 
I, I mean, I'm unfortunately to say, but like you guys have hormones, a lot more hormonal, like, you know, uh, craziness that happens in your bodies that are more prone for those like highs and lows. Right. So when you have this like constant stressor coming in your body every single day, you can have some hormonal imbalances that can lead to some issues in the long term, right? I have worked with many women who have uh, adrenal issues, right? So they're like their cortisol is elevated, or they have like certain kinds of problems, like, you know, even fertility wise, if I've seen some issues happening around this, and I'm not attributing to CrossFit, it's not the CrossFit, it's like the excessiveness of working out. And this a lot of times happens in people that are either obsessive with exercise and training that maybe not not people that are trying to lose weight or anything like that they're just trying to be as best the best athletes that they can be but it also happens in a lot of people that are just desperately trying to lose weight and they lose themselves in that process so it's important to create a good balance in those things and I always like tell people like you see me and like you know I'm, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape and I, I perform well and those different things like that I'm not training like a maniac like seven days a week I work out sometimes four days sometimes up to six days I know my limits so it's important to make sure you find a good balance between your running and in your CrossFit as well. And you're not overdoing it because when you do that, a lot of times your body can go into like overtraining uh, syndrome, all those different things like that. When it's really difficult to come back from that, you can, but it takes time to get your body to obviously now feel good because this stuff, it starts to affect your sleep, starts to affect like energy and all different things like that. So I always kind of make that warning in that, that, that conversation because I see many women and men, both of them, uh, but a lot of times in women, mostly because of this hormonal like craziness that happens a lot of times, I see them making some of those mistakes too. I appreciate you bringing that up because it is a little different. Like if, you know, we're putting um, the same amount of like stress in the bucket, but then the bucket is dumping out at different levels throughout the different times of the month, um, it can be kind of hard to monitor. So I always encourage women to kind of pay attention to their cycles and pay attention to how well they recover from workouts and maybe adjust their nutrition or adjust their exercise, um, you know, to kind of make it so that you're not getting too stressed, um, throughout the course of the month. Because my main takeaway from what you just said is like, we can't really, you know, if we can't keep up with the nutrition to keep up with our training, then like we need to do less training because it's, it's going to be too much stress. Um, and then it starts to have all of those negative effects, like you said. Yeah. And usually the people that are overworking, usually they're under eating as well. So it's like the, the perfect storm for, for, for your body, like not being very happy with you, right? Because like you're running it on fumes and you're trying to continue to kind of get the, hit the gas pedal as fast as you can. You are spending much, most of your time either like, you know, working out. And at the same time, it's the same people that have full-time jobs or the full-time moms. And then, you know, like, what are you finding the time to actually eat enough? And when they start to evaluate their nutrition and like, you're not even prioritizing this. So yeah, now we understand why you're feeling the way you are. So it's important to, to kind of create that, that balance between that. And for women too, I, I always like talk a lot about their cycles. I, I, I focus a lot on, I'm, I'm, I'm a, like a sucker for like women's health. I love that stuff because I, I, I love to understand it. So for example, like many women don't, don't know that, you know, there's like two, like, or, or the different like metabolic changes that happens in, in the two parts of the cycle, right? Which is you have like your, your follicular phase, which, you know, I, I remember it's like the first one because F for first, that is the first phase, two weeks. And then you have obviously your luteal phase, which is your last phase. That's how I remember them, right? So it's like the last two weeks. So for example, like for people that do CrossFit, 
you will be better off like trying to train for heavier weights and for hidden PRs and heavier, more like strength training in the first couple of weeks compared to the second, right? Usually in the second one, particularly for people that are runners too, this is where your temperature is a little bit higher. So when your temperature is a little bit higher, then you usually are losing more water. Your metabolism usually is higher too. So you have higher needs for, for food. So you may need to be eating a little bit more, right? So a lot of times like women go through this entire cycle and they don't understand this, which I, it's, 100% I get it because no many people know this right but then they start to obviously try to make sense of like why do I have so many cravings like what do I feel like crap this week well it's you it's your human body um and it's the way it's made up because <laughs> yeah. it's designed for reproduction and and it's trying to kind of get it ready to conceive a baby it just so happens that you don't do that every month pretty much Right. Yeah. You don't do that every month. Thank goodness. Um, (laughs) I appreciate that. And it is important because like you said, you know, I like for myself, even I'll just think about, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to feel pretty good for these two weeks. So like, if I can push it, that's going to be awesome. It's probably going to feel good. If races happen to fall, you know, during these weeks too, for running cool. That'd be great. They never do, but that would be great. Um, you know, and then for the second two weeks, okay, may not feel as good. And it doesn't mean we can't still push ourselves and perform well, but we may need to make adjustments and we may need to just like have expectations that are different for our own sanity. Cause like you said, it's your, it's your body. You're not crazy. Like you are feeling different, but it's because your body's doing its thing. So, um, I appreciate that topic so much and kind of on a similar note, like what would you say are even like the top like three, if you had to pick mistakes that you see like CrossFitters making in their nutrition um, that you see all the time in practice? Um, one is going to be some of those fat diets that we talked about earlier on uh, trying to go paleo, trying to go keto. Uh, um, CrossFit itself, again, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw some dirt in here, but it's the reality. CrossFit HQ, like the actual owners of CrossFit, they advocate for the, this like zone diets. Um, that I think it's like the, I don't know, it's Greg Glassman's the founders that one that came up with. And I think it's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. heard. And, and it usually is a low carb diet, like, you know, kind of embellished in, in like, you know, some, some fancy word, which is literally most diets that exist out there. Right. So I would say like, don't cut out stuff. And I've seen many CrossFit coaches usually advocating for the low carb stuff because most people that come to CrossFit a big majority, they come because they want to lose weight. They want to kind of feel healthier. They want to, you don't, you don't see like, and that's the part too, like big, many people have this misconception that CrossFit is like, what do they see on like in, on, on TV, right? Like the CrossFit games and all that kind of stuff. It's not that most people that go to CrossFit, they just want to like feel healthier and lose weight. So they go into this like super restrictive stuff. And then the second mistake that they make, they kind of overdo it. They under eat. So they don't, they under fuel. So they don't eat enough that creates something that is simply not sustainable when it comes down to that. Third mistake me and me people make is like people think that CrossFit is like this like super intense workout because like they're just gassed out at the end and they do the opposite. Instead of underfueling, they overeat and they try to obviously go and like, oh, let's go. And because there's like a very community, big community aspect of it, a lot of times there's a lot of drinking and there's a lot of alcohol consumption and there's a lot of eating um, socially. So a lot of times people are trying to improve their body composition and they don't see the changes. They blame the CrossFit. Usually it's you um, that are not making the changes um, and all around that, that I think it's, it's definitely um, a focus part of it. Um, those are like the main ones. And then a lot, at the same time, it's like the, the not balancing the, the, the training and, and, and the rest periods, right? Because many people that do CrossFit, when they, you like it, you love it and you get super into it. 
And for example, our gym has different type of modes of training or classes. So they have like a red line class and they have like a barbell class. So some people are doing two classes back to back. And some people can definitely feel their body according to that and they can do well with it. But sometimes you are definitely like maybe hurting yourself in the process too. Another mistake, this is not specific to nutrition, but it's like, there's a lot of technical movements in CrossFit. There's a lot of Olympic lifting movements that many people are trying to get into very quickly. This depends on the gym and the coach, but I've seen some like hideous stories about people that jump into like doing a snatch. Snatch is the most technical movement that anybody could ever learn. And some people are trying to do like very heavy snatches within a month of doing CrossFit not ideal. So big mistake is going to a gym that are not being proper. You're not being properly coached that you are not being properly like, you know, observed when you're doing movements that can actually be hurting yourself. Because imagine if you actually hurt a knee or an ankle or something like that, what happens to your running? Say goodbye to that for how God knows how long. So those are like big things that I typically tend to see other nutrition mistakes that, um, you know, people are making. It's like thinking that a lot of times like the counting macros and the, if it's, if it fits your macros is very connected also with the CrossFit world. And they think that it's the only way that you'll be able to manage your nutrition. And I always say this counting macros is a tool. It's, it's a tool on the toolbox that you can use to create awareness around your nutrition. And um, some personalities of people like mine, I, I like, you know, to look at numbers and I think it kind of gives me good data to understand what changes that we need to be making, but doesn't actually make it perfect for everybody else. Um, some people think of it as a diet. It's just simply a calorie management strategy or macronutrient management strategy to understand how much is going in um, on a daily basis. So, so many people kind of get all rattled, uh, you know, get so focused on the, the macro counting side of things. And I always tell people that's, that's just a tool. It doesn't have to be something that you have to do forever. Um, when it comes down to that. And the last one that I'll leave you with is going to be setting unrealistic expectations, right? Like you want to run like a full marathon and you want to jump in and, and compete in CrossFit and you want to do all these different things. And you want to lose like 50 pounds all at once. It doesn't work that way. It's like understanding what do you want to accomplish and what's realistic for you and giving like your background, given your past, like, you know, it took you like six, 10 years to gain all this, like 50 pounds extra. You're not going to lose them in five weeks, which is what everybody wants. So true. And actually too, just to ask you, cause I, I like that you bring this up. Um, like what could someone look for if they're trying to join a CrossFit gym? Like, that would be, you know, good signs versus maybe more red flags. So they're not getting themselves into that um, kind of environment where they're set up for injury. Yes, that's a good question. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to the gym that we go to because they had a good program. It's called CrossFit Week Guava for people that live in Tampa, Florida. Um, but the reason I like their programming is because of the fact that they have something called Launchpad. Um, so Launchpad is like people do not do a CrossFit class until they go through that process. Mm-hmm. And that is like, you know, a few classes that they complete where they're doing basic movements, how to do a proper squat how to like actually lift up a barbell, like how to, you know, proper running technique, all these different things that are helpful. So when you're looking into CrossFit, you need to first understand, okay, ask the question, okay, like this seems like very technical. How do you typically start your like, you know, new members that have never done CrossFit or simply go to a gym that if they ask you, have you ever done CrossFit? That's a good question that people need to ask. No, I haven't. Okay, cool. Like, this is what we need to do first. So sort of like a, a beginning, like introductory stage. Some, some gyms even do this for a month before they even allow them to actually join it in any actual classes. 
So that is a very important like criteria that I look for. The second criteria that I look for is this is a this you'll be able to see it through observation is look at your look at the coaches that are coaching classes and see what they do. Are they paying attention to your movements and the making adjustments and changes? Or are they just kind of like being like the high person going around the room clapping and like, you know, blasting the music and just like pushing yourself to the limit? There's a big difference, right? And it depends on the crowd too. You can have a bunch of elite athletes that are great. That's where the high person comes in and they don't need to be looking at your form. But if you're in a class where there's a lot of new people, pay attention to the coaching. Are they actually being helpful? Are they helping you improve your forms? And you don't really see that. You may not be in the class or a gym that may be the best for you. Um, that is, you know, ideal. The other part that you need to be paying attention to is the intensity of the workouts and how long they are and how often they're programmed, right? If you have some experience, this is for people that already are doing CrossFit. If you're noticing that, man, these workouts are so hard every single day, then maybe they're not doing a great job of programming the type of like, you know, exercises and watts and med cons that they need to be adding. So those are like important things to really consider. And, and at the same time, the last one is not being shamed for not being great at CrossFit. Like there's gyms that have like kind of toxic environments in which, you know, you can tell there's a bunch of elite people and you jump in and you just don't know anything. And you have like, sometimes in CrossFit, you do team workouts and you feel bad because you're not at the same level. So if you feel that way in the current situation that you're on and you find yourself in there, that's, that's a really a reason for you to either find a new gym um, or just, you know, change a class or something like that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause it, you're right. The, what you're going to get really varies a lot um, in any gym, but especially in kind of like the CrossFit culture. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, thank you. Thank you too, so much for all of your expertise. I think this is so valuable. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, um, everywhere. Uh, but I'm trying to be I try to be omnipresent. So we'll start with uh, social media. So um, if you're on TikTok, if you type in Andres Diet the Dietitian, you should be able to find me there. Um, and you, I'm gonna be the guy that is like kind of doing funny dances and, and funny sounds and stuff like that and creating content that way. Uh, on Instagram, it's my first and last name Andres Ayesta, and that's a that's actually my account, so I, I manage that. And um, if you send me a message on there, you just kind of like say hello. Um, uh, that's that's really the the best place. Let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor, which is The Feed. You guys, when I first discovered The Feed, um, back at the very beginning of my training for the Boston Marathon this year, 2022, I was so excited um, because The Feed is a website that you can go to and they pretty much carry any sports nutrition brand item that you could think of. And you can order samples, you can order full containers and, you know, in bulk supply and everything in between. And it is such an amazing resource that I point all my clients to anyone that I work with, because at the end of the day, sports nutrition, um, you know, the principles are going to apply to everyone, but what actual products work for your body and that you actually like that's really going to depend on the individual. So I love that I can partner with a brand that carries so many different sports nutrition products so that you can go find what works for you and you can go try samples so that you're making sure you're investing in something that you actually like. To go save 15% off of your feed order, you can visit the link in the show notes and use code FITCOOKIE15 at checkout. 
I also have a podcast. It's called the Nutrition Blueprint Podcast. That I'm hoping that you know we can bring you on soon. Uh, so you so so you know you you can also be a guest. Uh, but yeah, we have episodes every Tuesday. Right now, we're taking a break so we can release a new season. Um, and our company name is Planet Nutrition, and we do nutrition coaching, uh, particularly for women, with some men obviously that kind of join in. They're looking to lose anywhere between like 20 to you know 50 pounds, and we try to like we we help them create a blueprint. So we're, we're helping them nutrition and their lifestyle, their mindset, their movement and training and all those different things like that so it's kind of like an all one um all in one stop shop i guess um so anybody obviously looking for more like the weight loss support and and in that kind of like you know our area that we also you can visit planusnutrition.com and that's a really good place for you to be able to learn more a little bit of what we do and 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 check us out there awesome well i'm excited to ask you the end of the podcast question so picture you just finished like the best workout of your life. It was like a good day. I'd say, Hey, you were in your follicular phase, but you definitely don't have to deal with that. So that's good, but it was a good day. So what song would be playing in the background to like embody how you're feeling in that moment? Uh, can I say more than one? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's one song that I really kind of gets me pumped up and you need to listen to it today. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, the greatest showman? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, from now on uh, is one of the songs that we want to play particularly the one that like you know Hugh Jackman starts to like kind of sing like you know like the upbeat and stuff um, and then if I'm running I would definitely say another one bites the dust would be the song that we'll play at the very end oh man Queen and Hugh Jackman you're like speaking my language here That's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> yeah those are like those are like big big kind of like pump up sessions for me so uh, those would be good ones Oh, no one said that yet. I think that's great. The, um, I think one of the, this is such a nerdy comment I'm about to make, but I don't care. One of like the best concerts I've ever seen was Hugh Jackman. I saw him, like he did a concert show where he just basically did covers of like any play or movie or anything he's ever been in. And it was, inc- it was incredible. You saw <laughs> it awesome. live? Yeah. In Boston. Uh, that, that would have been a dream for me. Um, yeah. honestly to be able to kind of see that happening particularly when I see actors actually singing and they can actually pull it off yes that's definitely something I'm, I'm really into it as well yeah he was totally incredible he's saying like things from the greatest showman he's saying things from Les Mis from like Beauty and the Beast it was like it was incredible so fun I went to I went to a sing-along greatest showman like you know like show so if you want to talk about nerdy and stuff like I went to a, <laughs> uh, an actual theater and we did a sing-along greatest showman and I don't think I've ever told that to anybody <laughs> well awesome i love it you're telling it to the podcast and guys this is why you need to go check out andres on his tiktok page and all of his social media platforms um because you do sing along things now for a living it's great (laughs) yes awesome i'm not a great singer but you know it, it works yeah i love it well thank you so much for coming on the show absolutely thank you so much for having me Andres, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really hope people gain some more insight to nutrition for CrossFit and strength training uh, in this episode. All right, you guys, I just wanted to announce um, that I am hosting a group training program for the Philadelphia Marathon weekend, which is the weekend of November 19th and November 20th of this year. It is a race that I have run multiple times. Uh, It's the first race I ran where I qualified for Boston for the first time. 
uh, my second marathon ever. And you guys, the Philadelphia Marathon is just a fabulous race. It's There's so much energy. And honestly, it has all the bells and whistles that you would want from like a marathon world major, except it's not a marathon world major. So it's less of a logistical headache. <laughs> um, and you can just you can just pay to register and you're registered. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to jump through any hoops to get in. And it is a fabulous race. This is not sponsored in any way by Philadelphia Marathon, but I just have always wanted to host a training group that includes both nutrition coaching and training plan for this race. And I'm doing it. We're going to start the second week of August. It's going to be a four month training program that's going to take us right through the Philadelphia Marathon weekend. So whether or not you want to run the half marathon or the full marathon that weekend, Let's uh let's chat and see if this group program is going to be the right fit for you. To learn more, you can visit the link in the show notes. Spots are limited and on a first come first serve basis. And until next time guys, happy running. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.